0: Welcome to season three of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Garrett McMillan, a new sophomore on this year's Alabama baseball team, and thanks to our new NIL regulations, I can be paid a nominal amount to promote this podcast. A very nominal amount. Is there another word for less than nominal? Just stick to the script, Garrett. Okay. Tom and JT will be rambling on about SEC football again this year with a high known on the Crimson Tide. Hey, have you guys ever considered I'm not bucking, you're bucking? Garrett, the script. Okay, here are your hosts, Tom and JT. Welcome Stand to season three. Stand up and shout. Stand up.
1: Stand up. Stand up and lay it out. Stand up and shout.
0: Hey, welcome into episode three. You've got on the screen episode 3 of season 4 the other's part due. so i guess we're we're kind of like a netflix special this was chapter 1 was last week and chapter 2 is this week on the conferences that do not matter but regardless uh, i'm half of your podcast team on the i'm not targeting your targeting podcast along with Tom Sims Tom can What's up? Guess? What's up, buddy? I can hear you loud and clear. When you say the conferences that do
1: not matter, that may have been an understatement, because tonight is the Big Twelve and the Pac Twelve. The conferences that they, are being they,
0: absolutely raided by other conferences.
1: Yes, they may yeah. not even exist next year, or at least they're not going to exist in the in the uh, way that we have grown accustomed accustomed to them existing. Uh, I I'll concur. I concur. Do you concur? I concur. I should have concurred earlier, but I do
0: concur. <laughs> hey, sidebar on... Uh, on. For, I'm going to jump around here. First off, I know we have listeners. People text me and say, hey, good job, or hey, you guys suck. We get a lot more you guys suck than we get a lot... Uh, than more so than uh, you did a good job. And with me stammering like that, that's probably a good reason why. But we're on Twitter, and I would love more Twitter interaction... And our Twitter handles are at U-A-R-T Sims. That would be Tom. U-A, like University of Alabama. R-T, like Roll Tide. So U-A-R-T Sims is Tom's Twitter handle. My Twitter handle is at JTiffBama. That is the letter J-T-I-F-F-B-A-M-A, at bama. So those might be a little bit hard to remember if you didn't write them down. But this one's easy. And this is where we, this is where we really want to start seeing the traffic, hopefully. At Targeting Not. At Targeting Not. We couldn't do Targeting Not Targeting. Somebody already had it or it was too long or something. I don't remember. But side another sidebar. So let's get the Twitter feed up because I think with the commentary, I hope we have some some action because I want some input from this. I'm going to get your input and hopefully some some Twitter followers. But sidebar, big Tom. Big on action. Tom sidebar. and I have a philosophy that any rock concert you go to, you will see one... at least one t-shirt and what's the t-shirt tom (laughs) it's the rolling stones tongue it is the rolling stones tongue and i forgot to mention this last week i did in fact see the rolling stones tongue at vegas and i saw the rolling stones tongue at nashville and i tried to get a picture but we had just got our food at nashville Mm -hmm. Alright, disclaimer: the Rolling Tone, Rolling, Stones. The Rolling Stones' tongue at Vegas was on a vest, and it was on the back of a vest. But we're going to count it. Still but counts. But now, at Nashville Classic, front of the shirt, nothing on the back. Dude had never <laughs> seen the Stones on tour, and it was uh, it was fantastic. But I, and, I couldn't and get pictures. You
1: always see one. There's no telling how many are actually
0: there for you to stumble across one every time. Oh, for sure, for sure. And, uh, but I think my favorite shirt I saw at at Nashville was Bush Latte. And I got a buddy of my baseball group, Stumbo, and all he drinks is Bush Light because it's cheap. Like He's the neutron of my baseball group. You know, every group has the <laughs> same people in it. I'm sure that you've got a group of friends that has me in it, you know, the, the smart ass. <laughs> and – I, but my group in Oklahoma, we've got Stumbo, who's cheap, and he drinks Bush Light, and Wink calls it Bush Latte, and they've actually made a shirt that says Bush Latte. I love it. I love it. I love so, it. All right, so let's get to the commentary, and hopefully, like we said, we're not either one. We talked off air, and I I know you're not going to believe this, listeners, but I I did not. We did not prep for the Rolling Stones tongue shirt. I, that is just something that Tom and I know. But we do talk off air, and neither one of us are excited about the Big Twelve or the Pac twelve. So hopefully, the commentary kind of carries this podcast. So uh, the first, I can't th- wait for it now. <laughs> well, okay, so Sunday, I'm thinking, what should the commentary be? And we had, you know, we had our second scrimmage, and I'm like, okay, well, I'll just talk about the scrimmage. And I did the research just on man on Tide Insider, on Bama Online, on Twitter. And, you know, Trayshon Holden really showed out, I've heard. And Kobe Prentice, he is a freshman that that did real well. Jam- Jameer Gibbs looked good. Uh, Eli Ricks and Harold, the kid from Louisville. Are, are these two guys even going to start? Like, Her- Eli Ricks is preseason, first team All-SEC. And, like, right now, I don't even know if he's slated to start or not. That's crazy. Uh, Burton did well. JoJo is out. Kool-Aid is in for special teams. Like, I just kind of – did some bullet points i wasn't overly excited about that but luckily before we we tried to actually record last night and my computer crapped out but luckily i monday saban signed a contract extension and i was listening to the talk radio and i'm like that's what i want to talk about because now obviously this is going to be his last contract i don't know that he that he serves the time you know he's Saban is never going to serve out the entirety of his contract because that's impossible in today's age. Like he signed now until 2030. He's the highest paid coach. It's going to, the contract is for $93.6 million. We'll pay him an average of $11.7 million a year. I think he tops out one year, a little over 12 million or maybe well over 12 million. So, but like, there's no way he can ever coach to 2030 and that be the end of his contract because how are you going to recruit in 2029 and 2030 when you're like, Oh, coach Saban's gone. So like he'll never serve out his last contract. He'll just retire somewhere in the middle. And that's what Canale, uh, Dusty and Danny, I listened to them a good bit in the morning. Now that we're football season is a bonus. And, and they, they basically said what I just said. And, Connell was like, well, you know, over under eight years, I'd have to go under that he won't be with us another eight years. But then he said, oh, uh, four years, over under, I'm going over. So, I mean, I think any Bama fan, dude, we're, we're straight gravy right now because when Saban was signed in 07, he signed an eight-year contract worth $32 million. And I remember some of the board of trustees were not happy with that contract. Some of the Alabama board of trustees reportedly, so I don't have firsthand knowledge of this, but they were reportedly were not real happy that he was going to make that much money. They didn't think a football coach should make that much money. But also, I think it was a different radio show. Uh, yeah, it was it was a Horowitz. I don't know who Horowitz is. Like mid mid morning, I think on a, on channel eighty four and XM. And so the contract broke, and he said, "This is the time of year." when Saban gets this raise, I always ask the question, he, is he the most underpaid coach in the country? And that's right, I said underpaid coach in the country. And so he started throwing out some stats about what he has brought to the university. So when Saban came in 07, we had 23,000 students, roughly 23,000 students at the university. So fast forward 15 years, 2022, I just sent my daughter there, as you know, two and a half, three weeks ago, we're pushing 39,000 students. That is a 16,000 student increase. And trust me when I tell you, 16,000 times, times a semester of tuition and then another semester of tuition and these kids stay four years, Alabama's rolling in the dough. And it's all saving, man. People want to be part of, of a winner. They want it, They see game day on TV they see the kids college kids having fun they want to be part of that you can get an education degree anywhere you can get an economics degree anywhere but they want to be part and that's all nick saban so i was got to thinking is he worth it and, and of course if you're listening to this podcast yeah, the answer to that is unequivocally yes so then i was like well what what makes him worth it and i got to looking so he's won six national titles he's had nine title game appearances um you know, the, the one against Clemson, he got blown out. The other game against Clemson was an onside kick to, to end the game. And then, of course, Georgia last year, we had the ball with the ability to tie, you know, late in the game. But, I mean, Georgia won it after the pick six. They won it handily. But six national titles, nine national title appearances, eight conference championships. Okay, but what's his most impressive feat? And I, this is what I want Twitter feedback on. And, Tom, I want your feedback, which I gave you a little teaser last night but let's start with this. Okay. So the AP poll has come out. Bama is preseason ranked number one. Since 2008, Bama has been ranked number one in the AP at least one week. And I think one of those years, we were not number one the entire year. I think it was probably Clemson. And uh, we won the national title, and which put us to number one. So we got to count that year. But 15 years in a row at least one week is number one in the ap that i don't think that will ever be duplicated i don't know how it can be duplicated that's just unheard of so that's option 1 is that his most impressive feat option 2 since 2008 we have played seven football games that did not have national title implications now let me say that again because that is also unreal an unreal stat since 2008 We've had seven games that did not have national title implications. Okay, so 08, we went undefeated till we got to Florida. We're still in the national title hunt. We lose to Florida. We play one game after that that is, has no national title implications. We lose to Utah. So there's game one. Okay, 2009, undefeated national title. 2010, we lost to South Carolina. We're still in it. This is the BCS. We're the defending national title holders if we... If we run the table and win the ACC, we're going to be in the national title game. We lose to LSU, so we had four games after that, three regular season games and a bowl game, and we lost. We didn't lose all those, but we, had, we played four games after that that had no national title implications. So from 08, 09, and 10, we're already at five so from third and
1: and just just to make sure everybody is uh on the on the same page as you are and and including myself i think what you're saying is that for instance in week one of any season everybody is playing a game with national title implications well at least all the power conferences
0: everybody
1: hypothetically yes and, and until you lose at least twice you you're probably still in the hunt now some teams may not be in the hunt if vanderbilt loses in week two they may not can get there if they go 12 and (laughs) one they might can who knows i mean they're in the SEC, but but that's effectively what you're saying you're you're saying that until you lose the second game for the most part you're in the hunt
0: uh yes and and you, you bring, I'm glad you clarified because in my head and while I'm saying this, it's crystal clear. But then for some listeners, they're like, what the crap is he talking about? So I'm glad you clarified. And I, I do agree. It's probably not every team once they get that first loss. But I, yes, every team is in the national title hunt if you're in a P5. I mean, I, Vanderbilt is, is a, is a punchline. It's a joke. But honestly, if Vanderbilt goes 12-0 and, and they win the SEC title, they're in the playoffs. 13-0? And you Heck have beaten yeah, Georgia are. regular season. You have beaten the West champion. And you'd have to beat Bama regular season this year because we play Vandy. So you probably had to beat Bama twice.
1: Yeah, so, they're likely ranked number one.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> yes, that's a good point. And so then from 2011 to, to, to last year, we only played two games that did not count, Did that did not go towards the national title, okay? So we'll just focus on those two years. 2013, we're undefeated, we go down to Auburn, and we're number one in the BCS, Auburn beats us on kick six, and we play one game after that because we don't go to Atlanta, the bowl game, it has no national title implications, and we lost to Oklahoma. And then 2019, because 14, we made the playoffs, so every game counted, we lost to Ohio State. 15, we ran the table, 16, We got to the finals and Clemson beat us. 17, we ran the table. Uh, I don't know if we, I don't guess we ran the table, but we won the national title. We beat Georgia on second and 26. 18, we got all the way undefeated to Clemson and Clemson beat us in the finals. 19 is where our, our, our next game is. So we played LSU at Tuscaloosa and we lost. And now some people argue that, well, we were out of national title contention at that point. And I can't remember what all the school's records were, but you cannot convince me. We lose to LSU, who finishes undefeated and wins the SEC. So we're sitting at 11-1 and if, we if we would have won out. You cannot tell me we would not have been in the playoffs that year, just from the Nick Saban and Bama brand. But we go to Mississippi State the next week, we lose Tua, and we play a non-conference uh, that, that Mac Jones starts and then we play auburn at auburn as soon as auburn beats us we're done and then we play a bowl game in 19 and then of course 2020 we run the table with an all SEC schedule and the national title and last year we well we lost A&M but then we're still in the playoff hunt and then we beat Georgia in the SEC championship game we win our we who did we play uh, Cincinnati in the playoffs and then Georgia so that was a very lengthy number 2 bullet point so let's just let's just condense it Seven games since 2008 that have not had national title implications. That would be option two. Option three, we have been favored in 158 out of 159 games since the 2009 SEC Championship game. Okay, we were were dogs to Florida. We beat Florida since after that. We were favored all the way to 2015 Georgia. We were one point underdogs and we won 38 to 10 so that broke our streak, and then we were went back to favored, favored, favored all the way to last year's SEC championship game against Georgia. We're underdogs. We beat them again, and then they were, I'm quite sure, they were favored against us in the national title game. But that's impressive streak. So option three, 158 out of 159 games we have been favored. Okay, we've got four Heisman Trophy winners and that would be bullet point number four four Heisman Trophy winners. Again, we're looking at what is Nick Saban's most impressive feat or impressive stat at Alabama. And this one I had to, I thought of last night. So, bullet point five, option five is since 2006, the national champion has either beaten Alabama or has been Alabama all but one year. And that year was 2013 when Florida State beat Auburn. So, granted, uh, that's kind of, maybe this is kind of a stretch because in 06 we weren't that good and uh, Florida beat us regular season won the national title 07 we weren't that good it was Saban's first year but uh, facts are facts LSU beat us won the national title then 8 9 10 11 12 skip 13 14 15 16 17 18 19 20 21 we either were national champions or we were they, the national champion beat us. And a lot of those years, the national champion beat us in the playoffs. I guess four of those years Ohio State, Clemson, Clemson, and Georgia. So to me, that's a pretty impressive stat. And then this one's kind of just for uh, shits and giggles, as the kids say. Option six, we're 15 0 versus Tennessee. That is always good. So <laughs> recapping quickly. Option one, 15 years being ranked number one at least one week in the AP. Uh, Bullet point two was seven games since 08. Did not have national title implications. Option three, favored in 158 out of the last 159 games. Option four, four Heisman Trophy winners. Option five, national champions since 06 have either been Alabama or beaten Alabama with the exception of 13. And then option six is 15-0 versus Tennessee. So, Tom – uh, luckily, I went through that last night with you. You've had time to think on it. What do you consider to be Saban's most impressive stat?
1: So last night, when you first run this by me, I thought almost certainly I was going to be on the fifteen years that ranked number one at some point in the season. I mean, that's unprecedented. It's a crazy stat. And then I started reflecting on it a little bit. So. This S- Saban run has covered roughly 15 years, mm-hmm. and, you know, I can remember as a youngster being a big-time football-slash-Alabama fan as early as five and six years old. I, I can just remember playing pee wee football on Saturdays and, and bringing a Portable black and white television that you plug into a, a cigarette lighter to try to get the local game on, if it was on TV, or you're listening to it on the radio. You know, it was just, it it, it was always around us, and, and I always remember that. But from a from a more personal standpoint, I'm I'm getting at something here. You know, it, it it really started, and I grew to be a bigger fan is, is basically what it amounted to. And a lot of that happened, you know, as I matured into my late teens, early 20s, and, and even, you know, beyond, but, but particularly in those late teens and 20s, um, we were very much into football, you know, we were in, college, we we're following it, and whatever. And, and the point I'm getting at there is we weren't successful then. I mean, uh, we were somewhat successful, but we weren't we weren't winning like we are now at that point in time. And we hung on every game just like I do now. I still get the same feelings. And so I'm just going to say if, if a guy was, say, 20 years old about the time that I was really getting into it, when saban come on board he's 35 now Mm -hmm. he didn't live through what i lived through no uh and and the point being and i hope he don't take this for granted but this is why i'm going to choose number two on your list because it's personal for me to only have seven games over the last 15 years that really didn't mean anything Like there were so many years when we were watching Alabama and, you know, they're, they're, you know, three and two at the midpoint of the season, you know, good and well, they're not, Mm -hmm. they're not in the title hunt. And it was just for watching the game. I mean, we still watch the games and we still rooted them on, but we, we, you know, there was no, you, you were always disappointed and you were disappointed early in the season that, that you didn't have, you know a chance to win it all cuz we always wanted to i mean we always even even in our poor years we always expected to be competitive and always felt like we could play and win against anybody um but to to go 15 years and only and only realize that seven times out of roughly what 200
0: games well just say <laughs> let's just 12 12 regular seasons so let's say 13 uh, thirteen times fifteen is yeah, two hundred games—a good estimate.
1: Yeah, so that's that's incredible. I mean, that's uh, you know, that's over ninety-five percent of the time, you are you are in there. You, you know, you you are still in the front. Yeah, yeah, there. <laughs> uh, and so I, that's where I ended up landing on this list. I mean, all of these are are certainly impressive for sure. Um, but for me personally, I think just just knowing what I've lived through with Alabama football and where we're at now over the last 15
0: years, this has been one heck of an enjoyable ride. Yeah, and like, you, you know, you used the baseline if you, were, if you were 20 in 2007 when Saban came and you're 35, but, you know, you, you definitely you, – I have memories from before I was 20. Uh, as you do too, but now I really started taking it seriously. I guess when I was in college, but you know, let's let's back it up. Let's say that you're because we have a sales rep that comes to see us, and he is in his early 30s, I guess. So you know, let's say let's say you were 12 when Saban came, and now you're 27. You don't remember you th- that person who is 27 to 32 years old. That person does not remember when we used to start a season, and because me and Daryl would always have this conversation. Like you said, we start out three and two, and you're still a huge fan. You just adjust your goals. You're like, okay, well, shoot, we're not going to win the national title. Can we still win the West? You know, maybe one of those losses is to an out of conference team, and you still control your own destiny, or, or you or you're very close. You're very close to controlling your own destiny. But I remember me and Daryl in the, in the Dubos, post-Dubos, so that would be what, Fran and Shula days. We would look at Tennessee, Auburn, and LSU, and we would say, man, if we can just win one of those, one of those three. Like, mm-hmm. to somebody that's 27, 32, maybe even 35, that's such a foreign concept to that person to think that we would have gladly, I'm talking, so we are 10 days, nine, 10 days away from kickoff right now. That 10 days away from kickoff 20 years ago, we would gladly have gone one and two versus Tennessee, LSU, and Auburn. And I would have taken it in a heartbeat. And that's just such a foreign concept now. And I hope we never get back to that. Yeah, for sure. But yeah.
1: Where where did you end up landing on the list? Uh,
0: That, I I think I'm with the number one. I, I think I'm 15 years with at least one week at number one, because... It's so hard to do. If you remember, what I think 99 Florida State went wire to wire. So like mm-hmm. back then, Nebraska, I don't remember what Nebraska did in uh, in 99, but I know 94, 95, 96, 97, they were, they were number one because they won the title three out of those four years. And so you know in yep. 96, 96 when they didn't win it, they probably started out one or, or climbed to number one early in the year so you know let's say let's say that in 94 95 96 97 98 that nebraska had climbed to number one at some point in the season five straight years so 99 was going to be number six guess what florida state went wire to wire first one first Mm -hmm. team to ever do it so like we have been lucky we hadn't won it all these years we've been dang lucky and like i said i think one year i think it was against um, i think it was 17 When we got in at number four, Clemson was number one. Clemson was the defending national champions. I think they were number one all year long. And the only way for us to get to number one was to win the national title, and we did. So, I mean, that kept the streak alive. And I saw today on Titer, somebody had done the research. I think it's 107 weeks at number one. So, you're looking at 15 years and 13, well, probably, what, 15 polls so, one, 225 polls, we've been, you know, roughly half of them, we've been number one. It's just it's just unreal. But my favorite two are the, the bullet point one and bullet point two, 15 years at one, and then the seven games. It's just uh, – it, 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 I don't think it will ever be duplicated. And if it is duplicated, I hope it is the coach after yeah. Nick Saban leaves.
1: Yeah, and I, I'm sure you've seen those graphics. Uh, they, they show them a lot on Twitter where where they'll – you know say the populations of states or whatever and they'll they'll put a timeline on it and 1900 this mm-hmm. state's ahead and then they start moving it forward and the bar graph flip-flops from who's you know yeah, yeah. uh you know who's pop- most populous at that period of time and it, and it just shows you a progression to today they did that with the ap poll uh number one i don't know if you saw that or not and for and so the AP poll started. I can't remember the date in the '50s. I think something like that. So it was like ten or twelve years that when you're looking at that graphic, we're not even on there.
0: Oh yeah, it's you know the, Notre there Dame, was a 10 Ohio or 12, State, Michigan. I'm sure.
1: Yeah, ten or twelve year head start. We we hadn't even made an appearance. Mm-hmm. And then when we made an appearance in the '60s, you know, a couple of those years that we won it, uh, it was like. It was like what you were talking about a while ago. We we weren't number one until sort of very the, the very end, mm-hmm. and uh, so we didn't really accumulate a lot of weeks there, and that even progressed all the way, you know, through the seventies. We got on the board a pretty good bit, but we were still way down the list, and then we kept dropping. Mm-hmm. You know, in the eighties, mm-hmm. uh, I don't I don't know if we ever reached number one in the eighties uh and then you know we, i think we 80, got, I th-
0: 80 when uh mississippi state beat us i think we were number one
1: yeah maybe the following year yeah after yeah. the championship but but it, it was few and far between after that and then, and then of course we won a title in 90s but that was again we got one week at number one Mm-hmm. uh yeah. you know miami was number one the whole year mm-hmm. uh so we got one and so you didn't see us move up the ladder until the you know until saban in the 2000s but in that's in those last 15 years we went from like 15 on the list or something i'm making that up whatever it was yeah. not not even close to being in the contention. You know, our little bar graph was very small. It was probably a sixth of the size of the leaders, maybe even shorter than that. And then we overtook them and then dwarfed them. I mean, we're... (laughs) I I don't know how many weeks we are ahead of the second-place team now, but in the the last 15 years, we caught everybody and then opened up a huge lead. Like, I mean tens and tens of weeks. I mean, we may be 30 or 40 or 50 weeks ahead of the second
0: place team now.
1: So, pretty impressive for sure.
0: And I don't see, you know, yes, I mean, Texas could beat us. They're not going to be favored to beat us. They shouldn't beat us, but if we get through Texas, I mean, I don't I don't know that we I've got us finishing undefeated and you do too. And but there are some major hurdles in our schedule, but I mean, we could easily pop off another 10, 12, you know, we could go wire to wire this year, but I definitely we could definitely Pop off ten weeks, no problem at number one this year. So yeah, we could increase I sure our lead. Sure so. Yeah, that's me, me too. Not going to wood. Uh, all right,
1: and and not being a pervert
0: about it. <laughs> Let's get into the Big Twelve discussion. So that's good. The commentary took the 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 lion's share of the time. So we we don't. I don't feel it is the a pressure. Podcast. Yeah, I don't feel the pressure to uh to really go too in depth with Big Twelve and Pac Twelve, but. The Big 12, we're going to do it like we did last week. We're gonna just, I'll, I'll give you the ranked teams. Uh, we're going to both go division winners. And, uh, of course, the the Big 12 doesn't have divisions. They go uh, number one team versus number two team, which I hope is what the SEC does when we get Texas and Oklahoma in. And then we'll give you a surprise, something that no one really sees coming. We'll give you a given everyone sees coming. And then game of the year in the conference can be a non-conference contest, of course. So, first off, AP ranked teams. Uh, their highest ranked team is number nine, Oklahoma, number 10, Baylor, number 12, Ohio State. So they only have three teams ranked, and they're right there kind of smack up in the middle of, of one through 25. And, you know, Oklahoma at nine, I would love to see what they would have been for ranked. For the
1: record, guys, for the record, guys, I'm sure his little sheet said OSU and he meant Oklahoma State, but that Ohio jumped into his brain.
0: Oh, I said Ohio State. Yeah. Well, how about that? They got the gist of it. They knew what you were getting yeah. at. Thank you for that, uh, Tom. Anyway, uh, I would love to have seen what Oklahoma would have been ranked if Lee and Riley had not left. I, I really feel like they'd been higher than nine because they lost Spencer Rattler, they lost Caleb Williams, and I'm sure they lost a ton of others in the portal. And I'm not sold on Venables at all. And it's a little teaser right there. But my division, or my champion, I've got Baylor being the champion and the runner-up is West Virginia. Uh, just nothing really, you know, they play the nine conference games because they have ten teams, so everybody plays everybody. I like that aspect. But it's just, it's, it's hard to, to get a read on, on what is going to take place in the Big 12 because Oklahoma and Texas, they've got one foot out the door. I'm sure the, the schedulers have done them no favors, but I, I'm going with Baylor at one and West Virginia at two. So as you can see, Oklahoma did not make the the top two spots, nor Oklahoma State, and uh, West Virginia came out of nowhere. So who do you have for your, your top two teams in the Big 12?
1: Yeah, West Virginia was not on my radar. I think you only put them in there because you like singing that song. It, it is a catchy team. It's catchy. Uh, you know, I looked at this. Um, Oklahoma, they only have two ranked teams on their schedule this year. And last year, they played Baylor and Oklahoma State both on the road, and that was two of their losses last year, even with Lincoln Riley. Mm-hmm. So they flip-flop them this year. So the favor- their schedule is more favorable. They get both those ranked teams, the other t- two ranked teams, they get them at home. But like you mentioned, losing Lincoln Riley, I, I I don't know. You know, they they certainly didn't replace Lincoln Riley with another offensive-minded coach like a lot of teams t- tend to do. You know, uh, some of these teams that are uh, high flyers, like uh, Oregon, uh, was a good example, and Boise State. You know, when those those guys had openings, they tended to go for. Uh, coaches that that sort of had the similar philosophies they've had over the over the years, but they they went something completely different with Venable's. Um, so I'm not sure exactly uh, how how that's going to affect them either. I do not have them winning. I do have them in the championship game, uh, but I also went outside the top three for for the the winner. I have Iowa State winning the Big Twelve this year, uh, currently unranked, just like West Virginia. But um, Iowa State is—they've got a pretty good schedule. You know how I am schedule-wise. Uh, they get uh, both Oklahoma and Baylor at home, and the rest of their schedule looks pretty manageable.
0: So, um,
1: I—I'm I, going to go with the Cyclones.
0: Yeah, I just—I can't pick Oklahoma. I just—I'm not a believer in Venable's. He is a career assistant. I think that – and there's nothing wrong with that, as we've discussed on this very podcast. There's nothing wrong with being the best the best person for your job, whether it be defensive line coach, defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach. You know, those people – Your role. There, there's people to this day, Bama fans, that will die on this hill that one of the best defensive line coaches ever was Mike Dubose, you know. And he flopped as a head coach, so I'm not a believer in Venables. I think there's a reason that he has not gotten a a head coaching opportunity until this point. I'm really surprised Oklahoma took a a flyer on him, which leads me into my surprise. Uh, Something that no one sees coming. I've got Oklahoma finishing with five losses. They have to travel. That would be a surprise. That would be a surprise. They have to travel to Nebraska, and I know Nebraska has not been very good lately. But Scott Frost on the hot seat. it is uh, rekindling an old-school Big 8 rivalry. Uh, I'm not saying Nebraska is going to beat them by any stretch of the imagination. I'm just saying it could be a tougher game than Oklahoma is prepared for. If you remember last year, Texas was killing Oklahoma, and then they brought Caleb Williams in, and this, the wheels fell off for Sark. And they, they do have to play the two, the two of the ranked teams. Granted, they have them at home. And I think the reason I went with West Virginia, is so hard. There, there's, geographically, they're so out of place in the Big 12. I just see them, they'll have four or five home games. I don't know which, I don't have the schedule in front of me. You know, the, Of course, nine games, you're going to be playing an odd number at home one year and then on the road the next. But I, I see them winning all of their home games. And if they can still a couple on the road, I think they can get into that number two slot. But, yeah, I've got Oklahoma really flopping this year. With all the defections and Venables being a first-year head coach, I'm not sold on them.
1: Well, you know, we mentioned last week that uh, Nebraska could be one of the surprise teams, or at least I did. I think that was one of my surprises over there in, in the Big Ten. Uh, based, based on their numerous near losses or near uh, wins yeah. last year, they had a lot of losses that were single digits or, or and so we, we were expecting the turnaround. So there's there's something to be said with that. But for my surprise, uh, something that no one sees coming. Now, I mentioned this a couple of years, so apparently I, I saw it coming. But I, I think the surprise is, is that this is the last year for both Texas and Oklahoma. I think they mm. finally figure out a way to get them out of the conference after this year and they're ripe for it now. They're renegotiating TV contracts, there's a lot of movement in the other conferences, and they know that they need to establish themselves as a new conference and and head the direction they need to be headed without being in the sort of interim role uh, for too much longer. So I think Texas and Oklahoma are doing a farewell tour this year, and that's my surprise in the Big 12.
0: I hope you're right. I'm I'm ready to get them into the fold and let them take the the beatings they've got coming to them. All right, I'll let you on the given. I will let you uh, start off with that one, then I'll finish it up.
1: So Tiffin's given is something everyone sees coming, and I probably steal his thunder here, as I usually do when I go first. But my given is the Big 12 is left out of the playoff again. Uh, they're, we're, you're talking about West Virginia winning the conference. I'm talking about Iowa State. You're, you're referencing Oklahoma having five losses. I think it's very (laughs) difficult to see a team coming out of there with enough panache to make a run at the playoffs. Even a one loss Big 12 team would be subject to being left out unless there was a lot of chaos in some other areas. So, that's my given. They've been left out, uh, with the exception of Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma is the only participant, I guess, is yeah. what I'm, I'm yeah. saying. There's no other participants out there, and with Oklahoma being weak and on their way out, I just, I think this will be another year that they do not get an invite.
0: Yeah, that's that's a good one, and I guess we're talking. I guess I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth now. I'm like everybody is in national title contention, but Oklahoma starting the year at nine. I mean, all it would take would be for the SEC champion, ACC champion, and Big Ten champion to all be undefeated, and then there's only one spot left, which we know that's not going to happen. But Oklahoma would be fighting an uphill battle. Luckily, Notre Dame would have to play uh, Ohio State, and they've got some other tough games. But a, a, a one loss Notre Dame gets in over a one loss Big 12 champion Oklahoma. I really feel that way, and I'm, I'm sure you do Agreed. too, just from the. Agreed. From the name brand my given and they're is... not gonna
1: have the political clout to push that either because whether we want to believe it or not there's a lot of a lot of political positioning when that comes down they they want to say there's not when when you get those guys in the room but I find that hard to believe and, and because of the poor standing of the conference at this time a hundred percent Notre Dame gets in
0: yeah yeah my given is something that you can set your watch to: Texas being overrated. They are going to build them up. They're going to act like they have a chance against Bama. Uh, I don't see it, and I, I don't, like I didn't have them as the top one of the top two spots. They're not preseason ranked, but they're going to build them up. Trust me, I would not I would not be surprised at all to see them crack the top twenty-five after their first week win. Just to have number one versus number twenty-two or whatever, then Bama should go in there and smack them. But Quinn Ewers got named quarterback. I had that been had that happened before our last podcast. I can't remember, but some of the talking heads, Rick Neuheisel, was really stumped because the the people he was talking to and all the practice reports was that that I think his last name is Card C A R D was kind of uh, leading the leading the way in drills and practice. And then all of a sudden, Ewers uh got tabbed and that you know they're kind of thinking maybe it was nil money so i don't know we might have discussed that last podcast but I, texas is overrated everybody sees that coming game of the year in the conference i've already discussed it i've got oklahoma and nebraska um oklahoma, both teams need the win desperately probably nebraska needs it more than oklahoma not sure they can get it but it is in lincoln so that will that'll be a, a chip in the old husker purse if you will <laughs> and uh, Pac-12 needs it, like I, because uh, we're about to discuss the Pac-12, and it would not surprise me if you, if you say uh, your given is uh, the Pac-12 is left out of the playoffs. I don't think you're g- going to get any argument from anybody on this podcast, uh, since there's only two of us, and any of our Twitter followers. I don't think they will uh, disagree with that either, since we have like four. So. Uh, Oklahoma-Nebraska, yeah, right. game of the year in the conference, which is a non-conference matchup. What used, used to be a conference matchup is very confusing, but what's your game of the year in the Big 12? Uh,
1: my game of the year, we we have in the last, uh, I guess we did two conferences last week, and then we've, we've started with the Big 12 here, and both of us, I think, in both conferences last week went out of conference mm-hmm. games for each of them, so we were four for four, now you're five for five. I'm actually going for an in-conference game here. The first one, Iowa State at Oklahoma State. This game is like uh, 10 or 11, but in week 10 or 11. Yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think uh, having Iowa State making a run for the title game, this could potentially be, if that holds up what I'm – what I'm uh, predicting there, if I th- if that holds up, this may be a top ten matchup when it when it occurs. Oklahoma State's lightly loaded on the front end of their schedule. Iowa State plays a little bit tougher competition, but like I mentioned, they'll catch Oklahoma and Baylor at home. So even if they split those two games, they could still roll in there about 9-1. and one. Oklahoma State probably at worst at that point in the season because of their cupcake schedule on the front end, also 9-1. and one. I could very easily see that being a top 10 matchup. So that's my game of the year. I don't think there's anything special other than it being ranked teams. There's just not a lot to discuss out there in the Big 12 this year.
0: Yeah, you know, it's kind of kind of a sad state that the conference is in, which neither one of us picked the Red River shootout. You know, Texas-Oklahoma, Texas State Fair being the game of the year because that, man, I, I love that game. I mean, high noon kickoff in the, you know, eastern time zone. So, of course, 11 o'clock Texas time. It's the big noon kickoff time. They uh and they I mean,
1: always have a big cow out there too,
0: which is yeah cool. they do. It's crazy horns. But anyway, they uh yeah, it's just an afterthought, especially now that, that Lincoln Riley's gone. I mean, he did he did bring some zest to that series and now Venables versus Sark. I mean, I you know, two career assistants basically. All right, so let's jump into the Pac-12. Uh rate rated team ranked teams. We have Utah at seven. Oregon at 11, and USC at 14. Again, what is that, the Lincoln-Riley effect? Where would USC be ranked if Lincoln-Riley had not have come and if Caleb Williams did not transfer there? But the one that really surprised me is Utah at seven. You know, they were G5, what, I don't know how long they've been in the Pac-12, six, seven, eight years, I guess. You know, uh, I, that's I, longer I would, than I would have guessed. Uh, well, I'd love to say three or four, but I guarantee you it's, six or seven you know i was gonna
1: say five but i I just don't recall
0: but i mean how quickly they went from g5 to getting in a p5 and climbing the ladder they're the highest ranked team in the Pac 12 so that's but again they've only got three ranked teams none of them cracked the top five and uh they do have divisions they have south and north and uh, in the south i've got utah actually
1: correction on that this will be the first year they did away with them so
0: oh they're doing away Uh, with divisions
1: yep starting this really? year they're going to the big 12 model why <laughs> i guess the big 12 is is the the leader out there <laughs> get rid of your major uh flagship schools and you do a a,
0: <laughs> a one division conference so they followed suit <laughs> well man you learn something every day all right well i've got two my two uh my two champion and runner-up regular season, I've got Utah at one. I've got Oregon at two. That's who I'm going with. I think that's the best two teams out there. AP agrees with me. USC, I don't think they're ready for prime time. I'm sure Lincoln Riley will win a game or two. He that USC probably wouldn't have won had he not been there, but I think they flopped, too, because Lincoln is not all about playing any defense, and some of those schools out there are. So I've got Utah and Oregon facing off in the – the big the Pac-12 title game, which, if I'm not mistaken, is on a Friday night. Wow. Awesome. Yeah. Who doesn't Friday dream night of nights. growing up playing college football on Friday night?
1: I'll watch that unless Hoover's playing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, who did you have winning?
0: Uh, champion, I'm going to go with Utah, I, I, they're, which I will talk about them shortly. But, yeah, I've got Utah besting Oregon for the title.
1: So I have Oregon in the title game, but I actually have them winning it. Uh, but I do have them against USC. Now, I'll tell you this, that I tend to agree with you a lot of times, new coach, new system, so on and so forth. But this new NIL stuff and transfer, I mean, it was – he's bringing players with him. And these players are not sitting out, you know, he's he's – He's recruiting players that weren't there before, and he's recruiting big-time players that, that have experience, not recruits. Players. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of transfers. I didn't go back and count them all up, but I know he has. Uh, of course, a big-time quarterback. He got the receiver from Louisville. I mean, he's going to go out there, and he's gonna he's going to throw some uh, major offensive numbers up out there in a in a, a league that. Typically doesn't play defense anyway. Now, Utah is generally the exception to that. But I do think that he'll be successful in year one, maybe more successful than USC's been in a while, uh, because I do think he's a a, a good coach, I think particularly offensively. His Achilles heel at Oklahoma was he never could field a defensive team good enough to win the national championship, but he had plenty of offensive teams that fit that bill. So we'll see what he does in uh, year one at USC, but I think he he brought enough talent to, to get them going in the right direction. But I do have them losing in the title game to Oregon because I do think from top to bottom, Oregon's probably a better team. I think Oregon will play better defense than USC. And they'll also put up some some reasonable numbers. So I do have Oregon there uh, in yeah, in the title
0: because they got Bo next, Tom.
1: Huh? Yeah, of course. Hmm.
0: All right, what's your surprise nobody sees coming?
1: Uh, I think the surprise that nobody sees coming is that during roster introductions, pregame festivities, Lincoln and Riley will require all his guys to state their pronouns. <laughs> I mean,
0: that's that West Coast ball, baby. Hashtag awesome. My surprise (laughs) is this is the league falls apart. And I think we know that the league is probably going to go the way of the dodo bird. But I'm talking, I think it falls apart. I think it falls apart in October. You know, like we talked about on another podcast, probably episode two, that, you know, your state schools, your Washington, your Oregon, your Arizona, as soon as those, as soon as two of those dominoes fall, I think that the league is done. This might be their last year in existence. So that's going to be my surprise. My given is something that everyone sees coming, and you, I touched on it. You touched on it even more uh, strongly than I did. I think USC will soon rise up again under Riley. I, I hate it, but someone, uh, some of the pundits talking, were, we're talking about how you got so many California kids that were leaving not only the state, they're leaving the area. You know, they're leaving the region. Like Bryce Young's from California. Najee Harris from California. Uh, You know, Tua Tungvaloa from Hawaii, which would have been a natural fit at USC. And I think he keeps those kids, enough of them, at home, in state, especially joining the Big Ten that, uh, you know, those kids want to play. They want to play SEC ball. They want to play Big Ten ball. That's by far the top two conferences so much to my chagrin, I see USC being very competitive in the national scene within by next year.
1: You should have saved that for the Big Ten discussion because they're, they're, they're out, but I, I agree with your sentiment there. The given that I see is that uh, the teams in the conference, for much of the same reasons that you just talked about, uh, they're going to revel in beating UCLA this year. They would, they would revel in beating USC also. I, I just don't think USC will lose that many games, but the teams that are still there, you will see some joyous fan bases when they beat teams that are leaving, particularly these two teams. These, these two teams are the flagship program of the Pac-12, UCLA and USC. There, there's there's no question about it. Regardless of UCLA's recent football uh, shortcomings, they have carried the conference in basketball and other things. But but they've also been a, a football. Really, they've been a football powerhouse in their career as well. So, I think the other teams and other. Uh, 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 places in the league will really get a kick out of winning those games, and uh, as well they should. But there's there's a lot of hard feelings. It seems to be more hard feelings in the Pac-12 for those two leaving than it was for the Big 12, because I think everybody was expecting the Big 12 to fold four or five years ago. Mhm. Um and 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 they kind of hung on. So I don't think this is much as a surprise for the Big 12, but when UCLA and USC jump ship to the Big 10, I think that caught a lot of people by surprise and they're still talking about it. I mean, heck, I I think I read something the other day where there's some lawsuits being thrown yeah. around. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't I don't know what all's going on out there, but uh they're in a different time zone, so I can't keep up with them, but <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, the reason it was so shocking, Tom, you had the Gentleman's Agreement Alliance that said they would not do this, and then they it took less than a year to stab <laughs> each other in the back. <laughs> that's correct. So, all right, game of the year. I'm afraid we might have the same one, but I'll let you go we first. Do. Okay. No, we got the same one. It's right. the
1: opener. Yep. And that's who you got. Yeah. Yep. I mean, that's that's. Uh... I've got Oregon winning the Pac-12. You had them losing in the title game. So, both of us have Oregon as either the best or the second-best team in that league this year. And they're preseason almost a top-10 team. They're they're a good team. And them opening up against the defending national champions, Georgia's got some holes to fill. Now, they they open up as a significant favorite. Georgia's, what, 16 or 17, I think, yeah. 17. So, uh the Vegas expects Georgia to have an easier time with it, but they're, they're you know, it, it'll be interesting. And I think, based on just conference versus conference positioning, I would expect that either Georgia or Alabama wins the SEC. And I expect either Oregon or Utah or USC to win the Pac 12. So, one, two, one, two, whichever order you want to shuffle them in are playing in the opener so that i think that's easily the game of the year
0: well you know you asked me if i had the opener and i said yes and i do have the opener but i have a different opener i've got utah at florida you know utah is two and a half point favorite is it that week one
1: uh i think so yes i think it is,
0: it is. so you know utah travels to florida florida has a new head coach uh, of course his name escapes me now he coached with what louisiana somewhere in louisiana and he coached with Saban. Billy Napier, that's him. Uh, and can, you, you know, can Utah withstand the Florida heat? It's going to be very muggy down there. And they're two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think Utah gets them, man. I really do. And I, I, I kind of want Florida to win. I'm not a Florida fan, but I, I don't like the Pac-12. But this is going to springboard them in the national spotlight. I mean, you go on the road and you beat one of the premier teams in the SEC East, and it's going to give the Pac-12, you know, that just that that boost they need to uh, to possibly get in the playoffs over uh, a like a, a one-loss SEC team that would be the second team in. Don't think they don't think it matters, but but it would give them that initial boost coming out of Week One. Uh, being the the
1: Pac. Yeah, what happens to Pac-12 confidence level if Florida beats Utah by whatever it could be one or twenty, it doesn't matter. But if Florida beats Utah and Georgia steamrolls Oregon, oh man, that, that's uh, their top yeah. two ranked teams, yep. uh, and that that whole season of Pac-12 goes belly up in week one.
0: Yeah, that's why I love the openers, the or, or you know early on like um. See, we've got. so you got Ohio State and Notre Dame, and uh, and then you've got, of course, Bama, Texas, week two. You got Auburn, Penn State, week three. I like these early season matchups because you can really decimate a conference. Like you said, w- w- on the flip side, what if Utah, who is favored, beats Florida? What if Oregon? That has been my upset special since Georgia won the national title. All those players left and got drafted. Bo Nix transferred to Oregon. And I, I mentioned this on a website, and uh, I said, Bo Nix knows what it takes to compete against Georgia. And somebody's like, he competed against Georgia? Because, <laughs> you know, <laughs> they got beaten rather soundly his three times at Auburn. But my, I guess my point is, Bo Nix will not be intimidated by the speed or the strength of Georgia. And he's going to be able to tell the, his teammates, hey, guys, you know, this is what we're stepping into. So they're not going to be – he – He shouldn't be a deer in headlights, man. I hope he's a deer in headlights. I hope Georgia beats his brains in because I hate Bo Nix, okay? And I hate Georgia, but I hate Bo Nix. But what if Oregon and Utah upset Georgia and Florida? I mean, the East takes a beating in week one. It's just fantastic, man. Football, college football, greatest sport ever invented. Much better than the NFL, in my opinion. So, man, I, I can't wait. You know, week zero doesn't count. People that get all excited about Week Zero. Those people are the same people that get out of the shower to to pee, okay? Yes, Week Zero. Go ahead. Do
1: you think college football is greater than, what did we call that game come up with where we had the half test?
0: Oh, your drinking game? Yeah. (laughs) College football is probably a notch below your drinking game and a notch above the jump to conclusion, Matt, from – from office space <laughs> i love it are you there <laughs> I, was oh, yeah. you to play, I was waiting on you to play i was waiting on need to play the crickets um the, the <laughs> cricket sound effect <laughs> you know when we started this podcast i had a great grand idea that we would have all these um sound effects at the press of a button that had written really panned out <laughs> our, our our best thing we got going for the the um the podcasts are intro and outro music. And I sent you the new tapes, the new tracks. I hope they're uh, implemented at some time in the future. I have no hope they're going to be implemented this time, but
1: that's nah, fine. Yeah, they're probably not going to show up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's what I'm afraid of. Okay, well, that wraps it up. And, uh, you know, hey, Tom, we are a mere, what, 10 days away? But if I can get my computer working right, we're a mere. Five days away from Game Week Podcast. We're going to try to go on Monday nights, guys, like we, we have in the past. So, Monday, Tuesday, I think at the worst. Hopefully, we won't do many more of these Wednesday shows. But, man, I'm, I'm excited. I know you are, too. we got some big plans coming up. We're going to get together, watch a few games this year, maybe maybe pop a couple of brews. You never know. It just depends on how we feel. I don't know. Nice. Yeah. Well, that wraps us up for the, the – the last episode, the last pregame episode, and Tom, as always, a trick one to hate Auburn. You have to hate early, and you have to hate often. Roll Tide. Roll Tide. Take it easy, guys. Have you seen Junior's grades?